The Coin Week podcast is brought to you by PCGS, Professional Coin Grading Service, now offering security chip embedded slabs to protect against counterfeiting. Folks, even the most experienced numismatist is having a hard time telling which coins are real and which ones are fake. And counterfeiters aren't stopping with just coins. No, fake slabs are being made overseas and sold to unsuspecting buyers here in the U.S. by criminals and ripoff artists. That's why you need to protect yourself and your investment. And this is why PCGS has debuted new NFC-enabled chips that provide an incredible barrier of defense. Know that the next coin you buy is what it claims to be. Visit PCGS.com to learn more. This week on the Coin Week podcast, Joe Pilago, PCGS Business Development Manager, joins us to talk about his company's plans to promote modern coin issues of the United States Mint and how modern coin collecting has become a major growth area for the numismatic marketplace. We see if we can break any news about their 2020 and 2021 product offerings next on the Coin Week podcast. Hi, Joe. Thanks for joining me on the Coin Week podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. I like touching base with PCGS every now and then in the podcast to discuss the ways the company sees the modern coin market developing in the year and how they plan to take issues the Mint or the World Mints are putting out and creating added value for collectors and garner enthusiasm amongst those in the hobby. Of course, you have a huge coin coming out in another month or so, the National Basketball Hall of Fame Commemorative. And as one of the members of PCGS's business development team, I wanted to talk with you about that and what other projects and programs you've got coming up for 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, some, some stuff I can get into and, and some stuff uh, everyone will kind of have to sit on the edge of their seat, but I can definitely... Uh, kind of allude to what's coming. Um, but no, I mean, it's been a, um, I'm on the business development team, as you mentioned, uh, it's a small group of us, so I won't, I won't repeat what you said, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, our goal every day is to, um, you know, obviously, uh, get, uh, programs built around growing, uh, numismatics, you know, for collectors, for dealers, and uh, we do a lot of that through, uh, you know, signature programs uh, have been really, really popular. And, and not just, you know, slapping any signer on there, but uh, really tying things into uh, coin designers. Um, there's been a really, really big kind of shift uh, from the Mint, where now they're allowing uh, the actual AIP uh, coin designers to sign labels. Um, so we're actually... For the first time starting last year, we're able to pair up the actual coin designer with the coin that they designed, um, which in some cases ha has happened, you know, historically through some of the bigger uh, programs, but really to have something so fresh kind of roll out from the mint, have this, uh, you know, actual person design it, stuff like that's been, been really successful. Um, we've seen a, a huge shift uh, from the mint, too, over the last year and obviously through this year. Uh, for example, the the W uh, pennies from last year um, really just W everything. They seem to really be including West Point into a lot more of the production, 
and it's been really, really fun. Um, th- uh, this team that I'm on, we came up with Quarter Quest last year. Uh, we've come up with some some really exciting stuff. Got got some good stuff planned this year. Uh, definitely a lot of basketball this year. Should be really fun. You're right about the signature program. It's been around a while. But in years past, it was sort of necessary for a mint engraver or director or whatever to be retired from government service and not be involved anymore, which meant that the types of material it was logical to put a signature label program together around was legacy material, pieces that had already been in the secondary market. With the current leadership at the mint, now it seems that we're able to see active AIP designers, engravers, and artists get involved. It also allows a more contemporary approach so that we're now able to see these products enter the market when their designs are the most relevant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for example, the uh, W Nickel just came out last week, uh, and one of uh, our exclusive signature label programs is uh, Jamie Frankie. Uh, he de- designed the obverse of the nickel, you know, from 06 to date, also the uh, 05 Bison Reverse. So some really great, you know, nickel design credits uh, to his name. And so it was really fun. Um, I was actually at the Atlanta show last week uh, where Director Ryder was there. They they released the proof set that included the W nickel, um, and it was fun. You know, I worked with some uh, some accounts that were able to submit and actually get the uh, Jamie Frankie label onto the nickels, and just think it's great. Um, it's you know it's a really big win for that artist. Right. So they're going to, you know, further solidify, you know, their name into history, really. Um, And they're also going to complement this really, really kind of I don't want to call it unique, but semi unique uh, coin. You know, I I think, yeah, that's the first W uh, proof finish. We'll have a reverse proof uh, W nickel coming out um, and then a W uncirculated nickel, which is unprecedented. Um, off the top of my head, I'm 99.9% sure on that. Well, I was around in 2014 in Baltimore when the National Baseball Hall of Fame coin went on sale. Obviously, there was a lot of demand for that, and the gold coin sold out almost immediately. There were long lines, and people were really, really excited about that coin. And there was a big market for it, and there was a broad and bold signature program with many authentic signatures from Hall of Fame baseball players. The National Basketball Hall of Fame coin is, I believe, the first commemorative coin product the Mint has offered since then that has had a similar appeal. Is there going to be a signature program with Hall of Fame basketball players, coaches, and other figures to celebrate the release of this coin? Yeah, I mean, uh, you you just you want to know all our uh, tricks in the bag, uh, don't you, Charles? Um, no, we can definitely get into to some stuff today. Um, there is some really great stuff planned, uh, really through the whole year. Uh, you know, sometimes what happens in, in modern coinage is sometimes it's a, a quick, you know, blip, if you will, a real rush of excitement. And then sometimes it can kind of balance back out a little bit. Um, so something that we really wanted to do this year was, uh, focus on really commemorating the hall right, which is at the end of the day what this coin is about and and running programs that are through the year. Uh, So there's some really, really great stuff we have that we'll get into when we can. Uh, But for now, uh, you know, yes, to your original question, there's going to be 
uh, some great signature programs uh, that we've been working really hard on behind the scenes. So uh, you'll start seeing some stuff, you know, uh, be teased and, and rolled out into the marketplace uh, as the coin launches. Um, I can officially say that the coin will be launching uh, Saturday, April 4th. Um, so if, if uh, that hasn't made it uh, to your news cycle yet, um, that is the date, and we're looking forward to it. And they're really doing it pretty unique. Um, you know, normal rollout of a coin from the you know the modern side is is going to be either online um, or if they can tie it you know to an actual coin show. A lot of times they'll they'll do it uh, you know at the shows, just like we did in Atlanta, just like baseball that you mentioned a, a couple minutes ago. Um, but this one is is going to be really fun. Um, they are actually releasing the coin at the uh, Final Four Fan Fest in Atlanta. Um, so March Madness, the actual basketball tournament, uh, that Saturday they're actually going to be set up uh, in the fan zone, the Fan Fest zone. Uh, the uh, Hall of Fame will have a booth there, actually selling the coins uh, as soon as they're released. Um, and that will be the only place you can actually buy them on that Saturday, the release day, either there or online. Um, and then, you know, following later through the week as they as they start uh, being rolled out at the U.S. Mint locations as they're open. Uh, but that Saturday, that's it. Uh, so you can go to the Fan Zone, um, as I mentioned, and uh, it's I think there's a small entry fee. But basically, you can physically buy the coin there, um, which I think is just so fun because it's really crossing over. It's not, um, you know, an, a, a fun release or, or a Long Beach release at a coin show, uh, which historically is great. But, you know, mixing it up a little and actually having it release at a sporting event, um, I thought was so cool. So we will also be there accepting submissions. Um, so PCGS will have a little booth. Uh, we're kind of splitting with the Hall of Fame. Uh, you'll actually be able to purchase the coin and submit it directly to PCGS, and we're really, really excited about that. I, I have some more information on that, but I don't, I don't want to ramble, so I'd rather uh, keep to the script a little bit. So if you're able to get to the event and purchase the coin, and I'm sure there's going to be a line for it, and without thinking about it, you take it home without dropping it off at PCGS for grading, is there a way, or rather, what do you require for someone to do if they want to get that first day of issue certification? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So um, a lot of those technicalities are, are kind of formulating right now. Um, you know, basically, though, the way that the event is set up, since it's, it's so unique to, to a normal coin release, um, we are asking that if you're going to do it, do it there, just so there's no complications, you know, otherwise. Um, but more importantly, the uh, at the how do I get into all this quickly? So basically, when you buy the coin there, you're actually going to have an opportunity to get your COA signed, um, similar to the Reverse Eagle. Uh, in November last year, that was so popular when when David Ryder was signing COAs. Uh, so basically, we're going to have a similar style event. Uh, Director Ryder should be there signing COAs uh, along with a Hall of Fame basketball player. So really, what the the event is designed for is 
obviously, like you just pointed out, it's for, you know, fans that are right about to attend the game. Um, it's for just fans in general. Maybe they're not going to the game, but they're kind of in the fan fest zone. Um, and also, you know, coin collectors, coin dealers. So everyone's, you know, welcome to go purchase this coin, and then we'll conveniently have this drop-off. Um, the one catch is those COAs, if, if you're going to get them holdered by us also, they need to be done that day. And that's pretty important in, in a message that we're going to uh, send pretty loud and clear um, because once those leave that fan zone, that fan fest, we can't guarantee that those are from there, from that day, not altered, not tampered with, anything like that. Um, so it'll actually be the only opportunity to get the coins submitted along with the COA, all for encapsulation, and we're setting up this submission center to, to make it a pretty easy process as well. It sounds super exciting, and that definitely sounds like it's going to be one of those limited products in the market once the dust settles and you figure out just how many coins made it through that process. So that's very exciting. Something else that is exciting uh, is under the Collector's Universe umbrella is uh, PSA, the premier sports card grading service. With a coin like the basketball coin having such an obvious crossover potential, does PCGS have any plans whatsoever to partner with its own sister company, PSA, to have a crossover product for the marketing of the certified basketball coin? Uh, yes and no. Um, basically, what's going on there without getting too into the nitty-gritty, is we're going to partner on a lot of things um, in terms of the end result being raising awareness to both of our collector bases. Um, we kind of immediately identified, wait a minute, we have, a, you know, half, half the building, you know, caters to sports, memorabilia, trading cards, uh, you know, Pokemon cards, all, all that stuff, obviously, but the more spo uh, sports focused. And then we got the other half of the building that does coins. And this particular coin is going to touch all of that. Um, so we really anticipate a lot of great, you know, pairings. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see if, uh, you know, not, not that this exists. I'm just kind of spitballing an idea for conversation's sake, but, you know, maybe someone pairing, a, you know, an authentic LeBron jersey, you know, signed with a uh, basketball coin also signed by, you know, him on the label or, you know, something to that effect just for, for conversation and example's sake. Um, so there's going to be a lot of stuff like that we could see kind of coming out the pipeline. But in terms of, like, a direct partnership, um, we just kind of decided that to maybe stay away from that in terms of overcomplicating it and actually kind of overdoing it for the collector. Um, there was a lot more variables involved than it would seem. It, it seems like a no-brainer kind of right off the bat, um, but we wanted to kind of keep all that separate and just really simplify everything. Uh, but uh, we definitely have that asset here. Um, we're definitely going to be offering a lot of great uh, programs to uh, both sets of our, uh, you know, collectors. We have a lot of collector club members and dealers. Uh, PSA has a, a really awesome audience of uh, submitters and dealers. Uh, so we're going to be working with them a lot on, on that kind of level, as opposed to an outright, uh, you know, PSA, Naismith Hall of Fame, uh, PCGS, 
master inclusion. Uh, so we wanted to kind of streamline that. We're, we're already partners with uh, the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, direct partners. They're the recipient organization of the commemorative coin. Uh, so they'll receive a, a proceed off of every coin sold. Um, and then on top of that, every coin that we grade uh, with, like, their special labels, they're also going to get a proceed. Uh, so I think the biggest thing that's really come out of all this is this mentality of, you know, kind of help the hall uh, so that, you know, we can do it either through buying a coin or submitting it to PCGS. Um, all those things are all going to benefit uh, the actual Basketball Hall of Fame. So it's been really fun to uh, be a part of all of that for sure. Yeah, I was holding out hope that I could add to my collection, my unusual collection, of PSA-graded coins, uh, which there are a few. But no, that's great. Uh, it's a great opportunity, like I said, to take advantage of that crossover appeal with a product that touches on two very passionate collecting audiences. Exactly. And and to appeal to both, you know, I think it's so cool. Uh, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of signature programs and to be able to have this product that whether you're into sports or maybe you're not even, maybe, you know, you just as a kid, you know, really, really love the uh, Showtime Lakers and you just all of a sudden, you know, see some, some really cool little piece of that. Maybe you're not even really into coins that much or, or memorabilia collecting, but, but it touches you and, and, it's such an amazing opportunity. It's it's going to speak to so many people. Now, last year, the Mint released W Mint quarters in relatively limited quantities. And there was a great hunt for these in circulation. The Mint plans to do this again in 2020, which I think is great for numismatics and great for collectors. It gives us something to chase. PCGS had a, a great program that offered actual cash rewards for the first submissions of these coins. Is this program going to continue this year or do you have something else in mind? Yeah, you're, uh, if I understood the, the question correctly, pretty much uh, are, we, are we pressing the repeat button? Yes and no. Um, we have a very similar structured uh, program that we're going to be rolling out. Um, we are going to do Quarter Quest 2, if you will. Um, I don't think that's the official working title. Uh, but there is going to be a event again. Um, it is going to be very similar style. You know, first first ones to submit win. Um, there's going to be some really, really good details coming out uh, very shortly on our website uh, that really get into all the specifics. Uh, but, yes, there will be a first discovery um, so those coins were, I mean, it was fun. It was really fun last year to kind of live through all this, uh, to really see these, these coins come in right away, super fresh out of, you know, mint rolls. Um, and then to really have a couple people that, uh, were, were hunting these. You know, this is, there's, there's different avenues. I'll, I'll go on a side tangent for a second. You know, there's so many different avenues of, of coin collecting. Um, and, and one of the things that we've really identified um, that's so popular and, and so untouched in so many ways is, is coin roll hunting. You know, and I think that was really, really brought to light last year through the Great American Coin Hunt and National Coin Week. Um, it felt like there was such a huge push. I know there was dealers, you know, buying uh, 
you know, a cup of, of uh, coffee at Starbucks with uh, wheat scents and, and stuff like that to um, get a lot of this stuff out there. And that's how so many collectors started, right, was with some kind of wacky coin they found in their pocket change, um, some, you know, an old worn-down buffalo nickel that you can't even see the date, but it's just something you've never really seen. Um, and it sparks that, that interest in history and, and coins in general. So seeing that move last year and, and being part of that uh, was really exciting. Uh, so back to your original question. Sorry for the, the side tangent. Uh, yes, we we have some we have some stuff planned. Um, everyone will get some some alerts really soon about you know what we got in store. Uh, it'll be a little modified. We kind of streamlined some things. Obviously, last year was our first go at it. Um, we kind of didn't know what to expect. Um, so we do have. Some, some minor modifications uh, just to make it easier for the submitter, the collector, um, you know, and obviously our team here as well. We want to give uh, the best experience we can for, for anyone that um, wants to participate. Uh, but, yeah, the, the W quarters, that was really fun, and, and we look forward to another fun year with those. I remember when the state quarter program launched in 1999. I could go to my local bank and ask, hey, do you have this new coin? And you know, sometimes they wouldn't have them, but more often than not, I could get full rolls of the state quarters when the new issues came out. And it amazes me that I personally have not found a single WMIC quarter in circulation, period. But then I don't use coins as much as I used to. Have you heard any tips or strategies that have worked for people in their pursuits of these elusive WMIC coins from circulation? Honestly, that's that's so funny. You just said that. I was I was actually just gonna say that I still haven't even found one. And I'm like, every time I get changed back, I look. I'm like, man, is this the day I finally get my W quarter? Um, so no, I, I don't have any tips. Clearly, I'm terrible at it. Uh, but um, we have seen, you know, a lot of people find a lot of them. Um, we know. Of, you know, submitters that have one, we know of submitters that have multiple. So really it just kind of sounds like luck of the draw out there. I think there's something nice to the way the Mint did it. And where I'm going with that is, you know, back in 99, you know, those state quarters, I was there too. I mean, every, you know, I was young, young kid really getting into collecting and uh, every, every quarter was a state quarter. Um, but the fact that they only do 2 million of these W quarters and they're kind of released in the circulation, I think, really helps kind of hone in on a little bit of that modern rarity because they're, they're just harder to find. They didn't mass produce them on purpose. Um, and that really, you know, a lot of what we do here, um, as much as it's grading, authenticating, encapsulating, right, all, all of that is, is obviously our bread and butter. Uh, but you know, a lot of growing numismatics, too, and protecting numismatics, right? The the longer these W quarters are out in circulation, the more wear and tear they're going to get. So really having these opportunities to create programs for collectors where they submit them right when they're released, we're, we're preserving that history. You know, all of a sudden, yeah, they made $2 million, but... How many did we hold her, and how many are going to be lost to circulation damage, you know, over years? Well, that's a great point. You know, before you even brought that up, I was thinking in the back of my head, you know, it's great that you get to preserve the finest ones. 
But the thing that's really interesting to me about the WMIC quarter program is that you might find one in 10 years in very fine or extra fine or whatever, and it will still be worth more than face value. And we haven't thought about modern coins in that way in quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, the thing with the state quarters was, you know, such a fun program. Like, like I said, you know, I remember filling up my little, uh, you know, my little album and, you know, every time I could find one. And then, you know, furthermore, I was a California kid. So, you know, finding the Philadelphia ones was next to impossible. But uh, anyways, uh, that fun, that hunt, all of that is what's great. And what really helps these programs is when the mint limits, you know, some of these mintages uh, because everyone kind of could do the state quarter program. It was really fun, but also everyone kind of has a lot of, you know, high grades and all that out there, whereas these W quarters over time, um, there's only going to be so many holders and so many gems and so many 67 pluses, as, as you pointed out, or, you know, whatever our top pops are on some of them. Um, and that's it. So that was that was really, really fun. Um, you know, we even had a, a program that's going really well right now. We're, we're probably about halfway through it, but uh, the uh, CoinQuest. Um, so we thought uh, last year with the W quarters, we really liked a lot of what we've been talking about so far, you know, in this, this interview. Um, so we thought we should try it with the pennies, the nickels, the dimes. Uh, same mentality. Uh, you know, you can you can get these early fine labels notating that you literally pluck this out of circulation. Um, you know, it's the nicest one you've seen or maybe the only one you've seen, and uh, you can get a grade on it, and that's going to be preserved forever. Uh, so we've really uh, been excited as a team for the early find program. Uh, we look at it really as kind of like a first strike program, but specific to circulating coins. So these W quarters, you know, pennies, nickels, dimes, whatever is just being released for circulation. Uh, we, we, we've really been enjoying grading that and, and preserving it forever. Has there been any discussion or thought about extending a program uh, like this to regular circulating issues? I mean, each year when the calendar year turns over and you go, oh, this is the first time I've seen a 2020 cent, or this is the first time I've seen a 2020 nickel or dime or whatever you have. Do you think that there's any demand or collector interest for early fine designations for the non-rare circulating coins? Yeah, yeah. That's a little of uh, kind of what I was just hinting at and, and getting to was right now we have our, our CoinQuest program specific for pennies, nickels, and dimes. Um, and so how we structured this was uh, we have a set registry team here that is awesome. Um, it's led by uh, David Talk and, and some other really good people. And we know how much fun the set registry is. Uh, you know, we, go, we have these set registry luncheons every year that are extremely popular and, and you know, award a, a lot of these people that spend so much time and passion building out these sets. Um, so what we did was we kind of did a, a dual program coinciding with set registry. So basically, collectors right now are submitting those penny nickels and dimes like we talked about, just, you know, as the calendar turns over and you start seeing shiny coins appear again, it's that time of year. Uh, so if uh, anyone completes the set of six coins, so the two pennies, 
Philly and Denver, two dimes uh, and two nickels, you know, from the, all the mints. Uh, they're actually entered into a drawing where they can win $2,000. So all anyone has to do is, is complete the set, and they're automatically entered. Um, and then April 30th, we put a cutoff because we wanted to uh, make sure that we cut it off before the mint sets come out to make sure that we kept everything separate from circulation versus actual mint sets. Um, so, yeah, come April 30th, there's a, a cutoff, and whoever has the highest graded set in that set registry is uh, going to win $2,500. So with that said, we've seen plenty of submissions. Um, it, you know, it hasn't, uh, it hasn't, you know, broken down the, the doors and filled the vaults, but there's definitely a demand um, and definitely a group of people that have really kind of latched onto this and, and having it be a competition, too, has been really fun to see. Um, I, I check the uh, set registry every once in a while and see, uh, you know, collectors adding coins to it or or maybe someone that only had a nickel a, a couple of days ago now has, like, the nickel and the penny and the dime. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see all these sets get built out uh, from, you know, these coins that were really just circulating around for commerce. Um, now they're, they're actual pieces of, of numismatic history defined by our early find uh, program. Yeah, and it's fun to do because we're kind of spoiled by the Mint. You know, the Mint creates these uncirculated sets that, as any seasoned collector will tell you, are in some ways completely different from the circulating coins. So instead of having your already completed, made-to-order annual set from the Mint, going out there in the wild and finding your own great coins it is a different type of collecting altogether. Oh yeah, and and part of the fun is that I've I've personally kept a a, a pretty good eye on on this early find program this year. Um, we even uh, made some really cool labels that kind of look like our our first strike labels, but uh, they're notated as early find, which is you know specific to these types of coins. Um, but it's been fun. I've I've seen some of these submissions come in. And I can just imagine a collector sitting there. They maybe they had like ten that they found, you know, either in their change or coin roll hunting. And and I could just imagine them like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna submit these two. I think these two are the best, or, or however they however many they choose to submit. Um, so it's kind of fun to see that. It's fun to see these, you know, top pop coins as of right now, um, you know, come out of circulation. Uh, it's I, I think it's great, and I think. But that's really a, a core of coin collecting. You know, if you go back into, uh, you know, many, many years, if not decades ago, um, that was, you know, part of the fun before there was uh, like a digital set registry, right? Everyone had a, a Dansko album or, or some kind of folder, and you would just keep an eye on your change and keep filling those albums. So that to me is is really um kind of a new way that we're getting into all uh, a lot of the old historic ways of what coin collecting is at its core. Okay, I'm going to skip a, ahead a little bit, maybe throw you a curveball here. I know that in 2021 a really big coin is going to be coming out. It'll be the first time that the American Silver Eagle has featured a new reverse design, and that's going to be the proof issue. This little change has to be something that has appeared on your radar. Oh yeah, it's it's a blip on the radar. That's that's for sure. You got you got me there. No hiding from that. It's uh, it's pretty exciting uh, to actually live through one of the most important coins um, 
really in you know modern numismatics, if not just numismatics in general, uh, to have a redesign on something so important is it's going to be big. It's going to be a really really big coin. So I'd imagine that for many years the American Silver Eagle was the most important modern coin for a grading service. You'd have the uncirculated version, which was struck essentially as bullion. Then you'd have something like a burnished version or a version made for collectors with a mint mark. Then you'd have a proof issue. Then maybe you'd have an enhanced proof or reverse proof, you know, a specialty coin that was made for the numismatic market. Has the popularity of this coin waned at all in recent years? Or has it maintained its popularity and the 2021 new reverse is primed for an explosion of interest? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a that's a pretty big question. Um, you know, in terms of without going through all the population reports and and going through everything, you know, it, it's definitely remained the most popular, you know, bullion coin um, that that you know any of the services grade. I mean, if you just look at numbers, um, you know, I do want to point out though there is such great and fun coins, uh, either bullion or, or precious metal strikes from all around the world. Um, some of the stuff we really see, uh, you know, from the Perth Mint, New Zealand Mint, um, there's there's such great stuff. And, you know, although the, the American Silver Eagle, for lack of better terminology, dominates, you know, those kind of markets, um, I do think it is important that uh, we recognize some of these great designs from all over the world. Um, but with that said, uh, yeah, I mean, the Silver Eagle's kind of the king, and it's uh, going to be really cool. I hope um, I obviously haven't seen any designs. I'm, I'm assuming you haven't unless you have some some really amazing uh, spy techniques or, or whatever you got going on over there. But, uh, you know, it's going to be – I hope they do some really cool design. Um, I hope it's something that really stands the test of time. And it'll be really neat to bring a series to a close. Um, I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. Now I'm, I'm putting on my theoretical hat, so I, I don't actually know how this will play out. Uh, but to have a, uh, a set registry, if you will, back to that of, you know, 1986 to 2020. Like that, that's now the original Silver Eagle set. I think that's pretty neat because now we've put a beginning, a middle, and an end to the Silver Eagle series, um, which a brand new one will start. Uh, hopefully it's something, again, that, you know, engages even more collectors and just keeps driving the popularity of, of that uh, program um, that's been so successful. Uh, but, again, to also now see that historical, original Silver Eagle set, I think that's going to be really fun, too, for collectors to to know where it starts and stops and to try to collect them all. You mentioned jerseys earlier, maybe in passing, but is there a possibility that we might see our first jersey coin holder insert for the Basketball Hall of Fame? <laughs> keep, keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> we got we got fun stuff, uh, fun stuff cooking, but no comment on that. All right. All right. Well, you may have heard it here first. I don't know. Um, well, Joe, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about these great coins coming up. As always, I think that the grading services have transformed the coin market in very meaningful ways, uh, from changing the way we look at classic coins to creating whole new markets for modern coins. And I appreciate you taking the time to share with us some of the cool details about what's 
coming just around the corner. Yeah, and and I mean, just in closing, totally, I agree. Uh, how cool is it that you can go, um, you know, spend? I don't think the prices are out yet, so I'm making it up. But you know, fifty dollars on a, you know, a basketball coin. Now you can actually get it with uh, a player that that resonates to you, or a coach, or a personality, or some kind of you know signature add-on, and and you just really created such a great collectible that's going to be protected for years to come um i think it's uh really really cool to be a part of that to be brutally honest been a collector since i was 12 and if you would have told me i'd get to work on cool stuff like this uh for the rest of my life i'd I'd be uh i'd be pretty surprised and, and pretty excited so uh yeah thank you for your time charles really appreciate it no problem joe take care If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. And remember, you can download every episode of the Coin Week podcast for free from iTunes, or you can stream it online on our YouTube channel. For Coin Week, I'm editor Charles Morgan. Until next time, happy collecting.